Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Today, we are going to take a serious look at St. Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 2. If there is one chapter of the entire Bible that you really want to understand for what's happening in our day and in our future, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 would be that chapter. It's a very important one. We're going to spend a few weeks on this. But I'd like to start with a statement made by one of my seminary New Testament professors, Dr. Gordon Fee. He said this about 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This passage has been the hotbed of every imaginable eschatological movement in the history of the church. I'm going to translate that. Just what Dr. V is saying is that every wacko prophetic idea is generally quoting from and referring to and justifying their positions based on 2 Thessalonians 2. So every imaginable movement in the history of the church regarding biblical prophecy, it goes to here. But that has caused a reaction. And I think this reaction is what has actually infected the Catholic Church in reaction to the wacko stuff. And here's what he completes his thought. And that, in turn, has caused a large part of the church to avoid the passage with benign neglect. In other words, the wackos never cease to corrupt this passage, while the more solid, both Protestants and Catholics, uh, when they go to biblical prophecy, they may not even refer to this, just stay away. As a result, there's too much ignorance of this. I'm going to start with giving you an outline of the whole chapter of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Again, You don't need to understand the whole Bible to get a handle on certain key prophetic events, but 2 Thessalonians 2 is one place where you want to be comfortable. And I'm going to outline the chapter using three C's, okay? And if you have a pencil, you might just uh, want to make note of this or in your own Bible. But the first two verses, the first C is crisis. There's a crisis about the second coming. And as I alluded to last week, the Thessalonians thought that the second coming of Jesus, that's when he returns to earth, uh, they thought it already happened. That's the crisis. There had been some type of letter or prophecy uh, claiming that this had already occurred, and maybe even if there was a letter had forged Paul's signature to it. That was the crisis. The crisis was about the second coming. The Thessalonians thought it had already occurred. And the second C are verses 3 through 12 of this second chapter of Thessalonians. 3 through 12, and this C is the correction to the crisis. In other words, St. Paul is going to tell us that there's a number of preceding events that have to occur before the second coming. And some of those preceding events 
uh, include, and these are biggies, the great apostasy or the great rebellion. Uh, Number two, the man of sin or the man of lawlessness. This is the Antichrist. And number three, the restrainer that is keeping all the final manifestation of the Antichrist from appearing in our world. But Paul doesn't leave us with the first two C's. It's important to remember that at the end of the chapter, the third C is comfort. This church wasn't just theoretically looking at eschatology or biblical prophecy. They were in the midst of persecution and suffering. This is real Christianity here. They were going through a tough time, and the whole point of it, Paul is trying to comfort them down because they were rattled by this false prophecy that the second coming had already occurred. Now, let's go back to the text itself. Starting in verse 1, St. Paul says, Now concerning the coming, that's the second coming, of our Lord Jesus Christ and our assembling to meet him. And again, we assemble the rapture, if you want to use that terminology, or the resurrection of the body. Our assembling to meet him occurs at the second coming. We beg you, brethren, not to be quickly shaken in mind, or excited either by spirit or by word or by letter purporting to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. And so last week I used that technical term, over-realized eschatology. There is a real vibrant dynamic of what the Old Testament Jews saw of coming at the end of time, these great blessings to God's people, In the New Covenant, they are present in the life of the believer. Now, that's true, but where you take that truth to become overbalanced, you think, oh, well, that means we're completely in the New Age. In other words, the age after the coming, second coming of the Messiah. That's where you go overboard. And it's interesting, the words that St. Paul uses here, quickly shaken in mind, excited, alarmed. And I'll tell you what does it today. It's not a letter purporting to be from St. Paul. It's internet date setting by so-called prophecy experts. And I'm including Catholic and Protestant in this. We don't know the date of the second coming of Christ. We have certain signs and indications, yes, but we don't know the date. And if you want to get people's attention, you start setting dates. And that's how to get people quickly shaken in mind, excited, and alarmed. And that is not the truth. So don't fall for the internet date setters because they're everywhere. Now, St. Paul says that certain events must precede the second coming of Christ. And what are those? Starting in verse 3, he says, Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day, the day of the Lord, the day of Christ's second coming, that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And in Greek, the word is uh, that we get the English word apostasy from. The rebellion is a major worldwide falling away from the faith. And what's an apostasy? Is that the really bad guys, the atheists and the uh, Playboy Mansion people falling away? No. (laughs) They have nothing to fall away from. They are faithless 
to fall away from the faith means you at one point needed to have it. And we're talking about entire nations, groups of people, denominations, whatever, falling away from the Christian faith. That's the great apostasy. And it's a frightening thing. And this is one of the signs that will occur before the second coming of Christ. Later in this same verse 3, he says, after the apostasy or the great rebellion comes and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of perdition. That's the Antichrist. And we're going to give a whole broadcast to that. Today, we're just focusing on the great apostasy, which, by the way, has been going on for quite a while. I don't mean to pick on Protestants. I I truly don't. But you could go back 500 years. The Reformation did some harmful things. One was private judgment, that everybody could determine what the Bible means for himself or herself, which sounds great initially, but it ends up in a moral relativism where it's basically anything goes. And that's where we are today. You have Christian denominations saying same-sex marriage is fine, even for our clergy. The other thing with the Reformation, you had separation from the rock, the successors of St. Peter. Very dangerous things, because once you set up your own shop, you have no guarantee that you're building on the rock. And that includes nations. See, there used to be Christendom where nations were, were abiding in the blessings of Christ, and to separate a nation from that, uh, basically you're going to have secularizing tendencies till you end up what we have now. Uh, The French Revolution was certainly an early indicator of nations falling away, the great apostasy. And of course, worldwide communism. How do you explain the, the the 20th century wide and almost instantaneous spread of communism throughout the world. And everybody goes, whew, I'm glad that's all over. I'm sorry, it's not. There's such a thing as the errors of Russia, the errors of communism, which has morphed into an even more dangerous form, not just economic communism, but what's called cultural Marxism. That's the thing where anything goes, including same-sex marriage being legalized by the highest courts of the land and every kind of um, perversion, the law turned upside down, Christians being sued for not participating in same-sex marriage ceremonies and receptions and things like that. That's cultural Marxism, and that leads to moral relativism, which is the religion of today— which is the religion of our courts, which is the religion of our secular universities, which is the religion of our public school systems, which is the religion of so many young people and their voting patterns in the last presidential election. And that religion is part of the mystery of lawlessness. These are signs of the great apostasy. Now, I'm going to share with you my opinion. I don't set dates, so I'm not giving you a date. Uh, My opinion, I'll tell you flat up, is not infallible, but I've taken a fair amount of time as a Catholic to base my opinion on the most solid ground I could find. And here it is. I'm not going to beat around the bush, but I'm giving you three options. All three options are basically saying to you today that we are in a serious situation historically. 
I believe that we're either in one of these three situations. One, that we are actually in the time of the great apostasy. Probably never have heard that before on Catholic radio. One of the reasons might be why, because of exactly what Dr. Fee said at the beginning of the broadcast, is that because the wackos have talked about this stuff in such an erroneous way, then there's the reaction of just pretending this doesn't even exist. It's almost like it. Second Thessalonians 2 isn't even in our canon of Scripture. We could be in that time, okay? I am not certain, and nor am I fallible. I'm saying that's one of three options. Two, we are in the midst of a time preceding the great apostasy. In other words, there were indicators of this thing starting even in St. Paul's day, and obviously things are going to intensify the closer we get to the second coming of Christ. So even if we're not in the great apostasy, we could be in a time preceding the great apostasy. And then number three, we could be living in a time uh, not in the great apostasy, but a time accurately portraying and previewing what that time will be like. So the bottom line, I believe that we could very well be in the midst of historically unprecedented times. And I really hope you're going to tune in to our next episode of Luke 21 Radio, because I have dug into the treasure chest the treasure chest of timeless papal teaching. And I'm going to tell you what popes in the 19th and 20th century said about 2 Thessalonians 2. I'm Steve Wood, your host for Luke 21 Radio. Please tune in again. You've been listening to episode 26. May God bless you. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.